Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, folks of all genders, welcome back. This is episode 40 of Hot Takes Only, the season three premiere. Welcome back. It has been far yeah. too long. Willie, we have taken too much time off uh, as our little hiatus in between seasons two yeah. and three. First and foremost, how are you, buddy? Oh, and I, I, have, a pro- I have a proposal for you. What's that? Okay. I, um, I would like you to take a bow because Chelsea FC won the Champions League. So would you please... <laughs> Please acknowledge, form like a guard of honor or something for the, I don't know. I hate the fact that I'm doing this, but I'm doing this. I'm giving you a nice clap because it's, it's well-deserved. Well-deserved. Uh, the, the six-month explosion yeah. of good results and, and just a change in atmosphere and performance at Chelsea has been astounding, to say the least. So congratulations to Chelsea for... Uh, or winning the Champions League 2020-2021. I will say, though, uh, we'll get to it in a little bit, but Pep Guardiola continuing to overthink big games is is turning into clockwork, and that's not because he's a bad manager. People have, have, have said that I have to take he's a bad manager. I think he's not as good as everyone says he is. He's still a world-class manager yeah. and arguably the best, but he's no pariah. He's no... He, yeah. Sir Alex Ferguson, for my money, is is miles better than and, Pep. And taking... And- First of all, I hope you're, you were sincere when you said congratulations. But even if not, taking off the um, – we'll get to it. But taking off the, the fanboy hat and putting on the analyst cap, I think that a lot of times, like two-thirds of the time, I think that manager's tactics are unfairly blamed. But I think this falls in the one-third where you could really say, like, tactics and the lineup, like, actually made a really big difference in how mm-hmm. the outcome of the game. So I think it's completely fair, the criticism of the manager. Right, and and we'll get to it a little later, of course, but yeah. it's just some of the decision-making and the, the thought process in that. It seemed to be a little, yes. I don't know, a little suspect, we'll, we'll put it that way. Uh, but again, we will, we will talk about the Champions League final in a little bit. I do want to get to baseball first, though, Willie, because we are almost at the All-Star break. By the time we're recording this, uh, it'll be July 9th, okay. uh, the final weekend before the All-Star break. And as things stand, we have had a crazy 2021 season, hmm. but... There is one thing that you mentioned quite a while ago, and yes. it was something designed to make baseball more fun. That's right. And the enforcement of the foreign substance rule in that pitchers are not allowed to use foreign substances uh, while while on the mound to get a, a better grip of the baseball. Uh, we've had quite a few little changes and, and yeah. noticeable statistics in the change in the way that game has been played since the enforcement of the rules. So, Willie, I'll hand it over to you and let it, you walk our, our our listeners, I almost said viewers, walk our listeners through the changes. I think that, um, okay, yeah, so walk through the changes. Um, yes, so the MLB has now is now um, inspecting. So, you know, uh, for a long time in baseball, going back many, many years, if people are not familiar, uh, pitchers have attached um, substances uh, put on their body and then they put it on their hands to be able to um, you know grip the ball but then the controversy ensues because over time uh, pitchers were using certain foreign substances to uh, increase um, the spin rate basically on their ball and it became less of oh I really need the foreign substance to control the ball to more of this is a real competitive advantage that I have and so now uh, the MLB, uh, the umpires are allowed to check you for foreign substances. And um, 
you know, so far we had one big suspension, Hector Santiago, but we've had some real drama. I mean, honestly, the funniest baseball moment I've seen in ages was the Joe Girardi, Max Scherzer. <laughs> oh. oh, my God. Max Scherzer looked like he was about to kill Girardi. Oh, yeah, he was hot. I mean, Max Scherzer kind of always looks like he wants to kill someone when he's pitching, but he mm. definitely was hot. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, yeah, it's not only led to all kinds of controversies for how they enforce it, but we've seen pretty substantial dips in spin rates uh, mm. across the league and, and by some certain pitchers. So I think it's very interesting. The one thing I'll just say is we really need to see the long-run effects on the hitting and the pitching. You know, rather than the short term, let's see if over time can pitchers with this rule get the spin back up and how much of an advantage does it give the hitters? I think it's mm-hmm. fair to only say in the long run, we'll really know how this impacted the product of the game. Yeah, no, I agree. You hit the nail on the head there. And, and again, like I said, you mentioned this weeks ago before it was yeah. even enforced. So yeah. props to you, Willie, for being ahead of the curve uh, as usual. No, yeah. no pun intended there. Uh, uh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I'm going to read you a stat. I saved this article from the Wall Street Journal. I don't know if you saw this. Um, So I'm going to read you a couple of things. Now, the big thing about foreign substance for those is that there's multiple pitches. uh, Any pitch that has spin, um, which is basically not a sinker, I mean, let's be honest, um, is really going to be hurt from, from foreign substances. And so I have some stats here. So um, this is from the Wall Street Journal, who's, uh, who said that um, among pitchers, quote, among, and end quote, among pitchers who have thrown at least 25 sliders, both before and after June 3rd, 39 have seen their sliders RPM drop by more than 5%, end quote. So that's a direct quote from the Wall Street Journal. That's mm. a pretty big stat. I'm also going to read this to you. This is also a direct quote from the MLB. There are two more stats. Number one, there are 243 pitches who have pitchers who have thrown at least 25 sliders both before and since June 3rd. Of those, 138 have seen their their average spin drop at least 1%, and 78 have dipped at least 3%. The last, and then that was a direct quote, and then the last direct quote. The same phenomenon has affected fastballs. There are 318 pitchers with 25 four-seamers before and since June 3rd, and 205 of them have fallen by uh, 100% or one, sorry, not 1% or more. Uh, and so that's really important to think because, um, you know, high fastballs with spin really rise, and it makes the, the a pitch, which is a hitter's favorite pitch most likely, really hard to hit. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I- I don't think it's a it's a surprise, really. It's certainly not between you and I, but I don't think it's a surprise that there's this huge tangible impact already on on spin rates in baseball. I think it, it's pretty well established that pitchers were already using foreign substances. It, it's just a question of how egregious the use of foreign substances was and how much of an impact it had on certain players' careers. Now, again, like you're saying, we won't know really what the impacts are long term for a little bit uh because this has only been what a matter of weeks if 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 that Mm -hmm. uh but there's definitely something tangible that we're seeing with the enforcement of the foreign substance rule and i'm 
as a fan, I think if it leads to more offense, then that's what you want to see because people don't want to see one nothing pitchers duels. People want right. to see, you know, ten nine slugfests, back and forth leads, home runs, big hits and bases loaded situations. You know, things of that nature. They don't necessarily want to be, uh, you know, watching no. guys strike out five times. So yeah. I think it's good long term for baseball, but you know, obviously time will tell. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I mean, well, let me ask you this. I mean. Do, would you do you think the league is really expecting a do they want a big bump or just a moderate jump because for example like i said this is a short term but uh for however much it was linked or not batting averages in the month of june rose seven uh seven points from i think 239 to 246 mm. and we could see more substantial jumps in the future but do you think a a model a modest jump would would be a big difference or or do you think the MLB is really looking for like a huge impact well we'll we'll wait and see what every team's bottom line is as far as revenue is concerned i think that's the one thing that MLB is concerned about more so than anything it's the revenue it's not necessarily yeah uh, it's not necessarily winning and loss winning and losing or percentages or stats by certain teams or players yeah. i think they're they're more concerned with the product as a whole and is the product more marketable is it more enjoyable for the average consumer who isn't a baseball fan i mean for you and i it's we're gonna watch no matter what because it's the sport we love but that's not the case for everyone and i think it's important to to see what mlb does with this information uh, and like you're saying i i think they're just looking for something financially something tangible to say that hey they're on the right track here uh, yeah, you know, yeah. at the end of the day, it, it, it is it is a corporation. It's run by executives, and their job is to make as much money as possible for the league yeah. and for the owners as well. So, yeah. you know, it's it's a it's a pretty, you know, it's a pretty nihilistic view of of sports yeah. of baseball. But at the end of the day, that that is actually correct. So I think I we'd think, be remiss no, if we didn't sure. acknowledge I, that. I think it's it's all about the revenue. It's all about the product of the game. And what I think for me. Actually, and this is a really interesting point that I think has to be made about this. I think you're absolutely right. This is about the good of the game. Mm -hmm. um, and so first of all, I, with that, some of these players have to realize that this is for the good of the game, mm -hmm. even if it hurts them personally. I think they have to understand, like, look, the, the, this is about the sport here. Whether, whether or not you, you are happy with the rule, and you can complain all you want about how the MLB enforced it or didn't give enough time of a heads up for the rule, um, or just you know they're 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 doing an, an all you know a all encompassing approach rather than picking certain substances. We can debate that. They have to realize that this is for the good of the game, for the good of the sport. So I hope they realize. But the subplot within that is, man, there are some really good pitchers in the bullpen or mm -hmm. starters. That are either really good or moderately that are really struggling, and I think you can really tie a direct um, comparison to it. I think, you know, the most obvious two ones, you know, are are you know uh, Garrett Cole mm -hmm. and Trevor Bauer, um, but there's lots mm -hmm. of others. I could rattle off a lot of list of names. I've looked at graphs um, and and stats where their spins have dropped, and there's there's lots of them. But you know, it's like wow, if you have a uh, Garrett Cole, you know, that what the highest paid um, pitcher is he the highest paid player in the MLB? Or no, highest paid pitcher. Mike Trout's the highest paid player. Okay, so highest paid pitcher in the MLB. All of a sudden, his ERA drops 
close to a full point in mm. a month. It's like, wow, like what's going to happen now? Like, are we going to see, are these players like simply too reliant and certain high profile relievers and, and starters not going to be able to adjust what's going to happen in free agency? And what does that mean where I'm looking at a team like the Yankees who all of a sudden you have your ace basically reduced to a average starter the way he's been pitching. And so mm, I know yeah. it's a small sample size, but there's some really important implications for entire pitching staffs and players individually. Exactly. And it, bringing, up the, bringing up Cole and the Yankees, I think, is a good segue into uh, kind of the midseason review. I do oh. want to mention really quickly, though, before we kind of dive into the, what we think the, the biggest disappointments or surprises, okay. positive surprises have been so far this season. Uh, is, is Garrett Cole and Trevor Bauer specifically, those two, among others, being named specifically in a lot of reports uh, that an Angels former clubhouse staff member or member of the organization in some capacity used to get them uh, foreign substances. Uh, specifically, yeah. I think it's the spider tack, I think it's what it's yeah. called. It's that really, really gooey yeah. substance, really, really sticky, really helps obviously, people. as the name would suggest. Uh, so Cole struggling to that extent, I think is, it's not unsurprising no. to see his name there. Trevor Bauer, who we'll get to again as well, I think would have a, a similar thing happen to him. But again, it's hard to say because of what he's uh, currently involved in. We'll again, we'll address that in a little bit, but yeah, absolutely. we are just about at the mid season point of the season, a little, a little more technically than, than 82 games or sorry, 81 games, which is what the exact midpoint would be for the season. Uh, but we're, the, we're at the all-star break, Willie, and we've had some disappointments so far this year. And two of them are specifically two of them that we talked about in both the NL preview and the AL preview. Yeah. Yes. Of being potentially World Series candidates this year. Mm. The first one, Garrett Cole's team, the New York Yankees. Yeah. It has been a titanic struggle for the Yankees I this year. Gotta start there. Yeah. Um, you're right. And um the way it's looking, you know, they're forty four and forty two, but um they're they're pretty far, you know, not impossible to catch up for sure, but you know, mm. they're they're out of the second wildcard spot. And yeah. Uh that team has been really struggling. And uh I remember, man, we talked about this with Matt. We had some early, um, we had some early worries about the team, and then soon after that podcast, they got it back together. They won a winning streak, and then all of a sudden, it's flipped, and all of the worst fears have come true. You know, a, a struggling pitching staff in the rotation and an offense that's really, really underperformed. You know, vastly underperformed. And uh, I just want to say that one of my hot takes, I had a really high. Uh, I, I I did have a hot take that um, Gary Sanchez would have a resurgent season, and I don't mm. think that's the case. <laughs> so. Yeah, and he was he was my player to watch from the Yankees too. Yeah, uh, he he'd be the guy that if the Yankees are going to get it back on track, if they're going to really st not struggle the season, if they're going to have a a campaign that they can be proud of, that he would have to be one of the most improved players. He has yeah. not gone in that direction; he's gone the other yeah. direction. And it, it's it's tough because all of us, like you're saying, all of us were kind of in agreement about the Yankees uh, during the preview podcast. We were all saying they're the clear front runners in the American League. And so far this season, that hasn't been even remotely close to the case. No, I mean, absolutely right. And the you, you'd think the American League was wide open, right? But mm -hmm. um, in reality, I mean, they, I mean, and man, they've really struggled recently. But yeah, it's it's a big, it's a big disappointment. And I, I just think like 
what's crazy about it is, is you read articles about it, right? But it's like how severely they're underperforming, particularly oh on the goodness. offensive side of the ball. I mean, they are just a hot mess. And, you know, I actually mentioned another thing I mentioned in the preview, not to congratulate ourselves, but I did mention, like, I was a little concerned about Gliber Torres. You know, he had struggled in the shortened season, and Gliber Torres, another guy, has really struggled this season. But they're just performing really well. And other than the main guys, uh, Stanton, LeMayhew, and uh, Judge, everyone else is is mediocre. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's and, it's and, you know, you know, and I, I want to say too. I think that um, you know, getting swept by the Red Sox, that was the moment where you're like, well, okay, they might really be in trouble, and that happened, you know, very recently. So it's like, wow, you know. Yeah, no, that's that's an alarm uh, alarm bell for the Yankees because it's just one of those rivalries in sports. No matter how good the teams are, they're yeah. always competitive against each other, and for the Yankees to get swept in the manner they got swept. Uh, yeah. I think is is really it's it, it was just a lot of late inning clutch hitting from the Red Sox, but that's a sign that a team is is struggling is because they're in that position to begin with. They're not playing from the front all game. It's because their offense hasn't put up a crooked number to start yeah. the game, and their bullpen hasn't been able to hold the lead. That's, uh, it, that's it's 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 one of those things where you have to be very concerned if you're a Yankees fan, and of course you know that we're we're sports analysts slash columnist, whatever you want to call us. We talk about the here and the now. Obviously, looking back at when we made our preview predictions, yeah, it, it, it doesn't really hold up. But at the same time, how can you really tell that Luke Voigt's going to struggle so much, that Aaron Hicks is going to struggle, yeah. that Glaber Torres is going to struggle, that Gary Sanchez is going to continue to be less than great? No, I mean, you, you can't predict that. And Owen, I mean... Not only you'd figure, I mean, there. I just you can't you can't forecast that. Sometimes things are just. Sometimes you just have a bad season, but you know, twenty mm. first and they're twenty first and run scored right now. Like that's that's absurd for the Yankees. The amount mm-hmm. of talent they have, and I gotta say, Owen, I love, I absolutely love it. I love when the Yankees struggle, <laughs> just because I the Yankees are that team. As the casual fan. In terms of, you got to say that the Yankees are that team. You just love them or hate them. They're they're one of those teams. Mm-hmm. I Agreed. love it. And um, and then with the Garrett Cole news, all of a sudden, I love it. Well, all the worst fears come true, right? Corey Kluber, mm-hmm. DL, two months. You know, like um, Jameson Tyon. Like you know, I was like, okay, well, you know, he's not really going to help you that much, right? Uh, Herman, you know, you hopefully. And then if you're going to say you can rely on Herman and Montgomery, you pre- thought that was never going to be the case. So I found it wishful thinking as a Cleveland fan that they thought Corey Kluber was going to be the, the, the fix to all their problems. And <laughs> you know, it's just like, yeah, the injury, he can't stay healthy. I mean, yeah, they're, they're trying to, they're trying to fix a leak in a dam with, with duct tape. It doesn't, it doesn't work. Yeah. And a yeah. lot of teams have tried it before. It, it doesn't work no matter who you are. No. And I, I think that I, I do just want to say it's, it's, mm-hmm. uh, we talked about this, but you got to think that the Yankees have just had so many starters, like we've talked about before in this podcast, that have just not worked out or have played to their potential. And mm. at some point, I think you got to look at the front office and be like, "This is a, an area that really needs addressing for the team." And yep, you know, yeah, yep, definitely. Mm-hmm. And so, Willie, we've been talking about how we're we're kind of tooting our own horn with 
with some, I mean, you specifically tooting your own horn with some of your predictions. But I think yeah. it's time to bring you back down to earth with one of your very bold predictions made specifically oh, on January fourteenth, two thousand twenty-one, yeah. on an episode of Hot Takes Only, released on the fifteenth, of course. Your take that the World Series champions in 2021 will be the Atlanta Braves looks horrendous right now. And this this is me being as nice as possible to the Atlanta Braves. So let me put it this way. The Braves winning 14-3 to yesterday in Pittsburgh was, number one, to salvage a, a win in a three-game series and avoid a sweep at the Pittsburgh Pirates. Yeah. And... Came on the heels of the first two games where they scored a total of two runs. Game two of that series where they walked in the winning run, which yeah. is how you know how bad the Braves bullpen is. They can't throw strikes with literally the game on the line with nowhere to throw the ball except over the plate somewhere. The Braves are the dumpster fire that I feared they would be after the run to the NLCS last year. And it it honestly is has gotten worse than I ever thought it was going to be. Because you look at where the Braves were in 2020. Mm. NLCS, Game 7 against the Dodgers. They were four or five innings away from winning that game if Dansby Swanson didn't forget how to run the bases, and neither did Austin Riley. That's another story entirely. We're not going to talk about that series a whole lot. The Braves this year, preparing for this season, decided, you know what? We had luck with Josh Donaldson on a one-year contract. We had luck with Marcelo Zuna on a one-year contract. Veterans on one-year deals with a greater AAV than other guys in their team, specifically Ozzy Albies and Ronald Acuna Jr. You know what? Let's test our luck. Let's go get Charlie Morton. Let's go get Drew Smiley. Let's re-sign Will Smith. Let's go get Shane Green because the bullpen is already struggling. That right there is an indication of where the Braves think they are at. They think they are even remotely close to being able to say, let's bring in a veteran because he's experienced. Not because he's good. Not because he has a track record of being the guy on a team. Not because he has a track record of going out and give you seven innings of shove or one, two, three out of the bullpen in less than 10 pitches. We're we're talking about Drew Smiley, who's a home run waiting to happen. We're talking about Will Smith, who doesn't know how to throw strikes. We're talking about A.J. Minter, who forgot how to throw strikes. We're talking about Charlie Morton, who's about 75 years old and still somehow throwing 97. I don't understand how he throws as hard as he does. It must be the the height or something like that. Point being, the Atlanta Braves are so incredibly bad. They are so bad that they hurt Ronald Acuna Jr.'s back by having to be carried by one dude all season. Yeah. The one silver lining that I have gotten out of the Braves so far this season is four pinch hit home runs from Pablo Sandoval. And it's just because it's funny. No other reason. I mean, he's he's maybe hitting 200 at the moment. I mean, I could correct me if I'm wrong there. Uh, I'm going to fact check myself. It's not very but good, he's not having a good season. No one on the team is having a good season. Uh, I was reading an article earlier that called for uh, the Braves to trade Freddie Freeman because they are probably... They are probably not going to be able to re-sign him in free agency. And it's sad because this is a franchise player. Again, hmm, I wonder if the Braves have struggled to also, enter negotiations with franchise players and and end up trading him. See, this this would have been before be, this season. For Freddie Freeman. Really, like, he got off to a terrible start. Like, it's got to be the worst Freddie Freeman hit. No, like, ever. awful. Awful. Yeah. Well, so this is my question to you, Owen. 
I think like, you know, a guy like AJ Minter is a great example. So like my question is, you know, do you think that there are certain guys like AJ Minter and just all of the team that are simply underperformed and that happens sometimes in baseball, you'll have bad seasons. Or do you think the three, one lead they blew broke them? And I, I, the best like comparison that, that I have that I can think of was the, the lob city Clippers teams who were really good teams. They were together for six years and you thought maybe one of these teams go to championship and their final year, um, they were up three to one against uh, the Houston Rockets. They're up 20 plus points in game six. They blew the lead and that they blew up the team after they just, they, they didn't have what it took mentally. And so, you know, how much do you think is, is that, and how much do you think is, is, you know, just, you know, bad, bad years happen, slumps happen. So, so let me, let me preface this by saying that I am forever thankful that I got to watch the Braves play in the NLCS in 2020, because I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon mm-hmm. because here, here are some of the names that the Braves rode last postseason to the NLCS game seven of the NLCS. All right. Here, here are some names I'm just going to throw at you. Right. Okay. Ian Anderson, who's yeah. a rookie. He's technically still a rookie. Yep. Tyler Matzik, who was out of baseball a couple years ago, yeah. out of uh, professional baseball a couple years ago. Yeah. Chris Martin. Sure. There's a more famous Chris Martin. That's how you know it's a problem. <laughs> Will Smith. Yeah. How old is Will Smith? He's, too, he's on the wrong side of 30, and he doesn't know how to not throw yeah. cutters right down the middle or sliders down the middle or fastballs anywhere but the strike zone. AJ Minter. Max Freed. Yep. Who was the ace last year, mind you. Jacob Webb. Hmm. Bryce Wilson. Josh Tomlin. Sean Newcomb. None of those names, none of them have established themselves as dominant pitchers. None of them. Nor were any of these players at any points in their careers established as dominant pitchers. None of them. No yeah. one has stuff that's going to blow you away. No one has command that is going to make you look like Greg Maddox or make them look... No one has command like Greg Maddox or even remotely close to Greg Maddox, mm-hmm. who was also, by the way, awful in the postseason for the Braves every time he pitched for them. But that's, mm-hmm. you know, that's another story. We're not going to talk about the 90s Braves yeah. at this point in time. We're talking about the 2021 Braves who are just as disappointing. And to top it all off, the ERA leader on the Braves, the lowest ERA among the Braves pitching staff is a player that you would never have guessed starting 2021. Never. Luke Jackson with a 174 ERA. Luke Jackson with a 174 ERA leads the Atlanta Braves. That right there is all the evidence in the world. it's, 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 It's all the evidence you need to understand that the Braves are bad. Rant over. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, so that, that that's 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 pretty crazy. And when you put it like that, right, you're relying on players who maybe were overperforming. But so in, in summation, I mean, do you feel that it's just a matter of the – where? what do you think the biggest problems with the team have if you have to sum it up? Do you think it's it's the pitching staff? Is that where you're yes. going Yes. No, no, it's, it's not just the pitching staff. It's the pitching, it's the hitting, it's the defense, it's the manager, it's the front office. The way they've constructed this roster. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. 
how they, they thought Drew Smiley and Charlie Morton was the answer to the pitching staff. Yeah. Well, I Drew think Smiley that, and Charlie Morton right. is not the answer. Will Smith is not the answer. Sean Newcomb is not the answer. Yeah. Well, I mean, Will Smith has been good. He was okay last year. and He's better. Had, he's been better he, as of late, but there was a stretch early in the season where he was a guaranteed blown save. Blown save, okay. Guaranteed blown yeah. save. And and for, for a team that has a top-heavy offense, you are going to need a solid... I mean, regardless, you need a solid bullpen to win in October unless you have three horses... Yeah. In the front of your rotation, like the Washington Nationals in 2019. By the way, again, the statistically worst bullpen in baseball that year won the World Series. Yeah. Figure that one out. No, absolutely. The Braves don't have that. The Braves have not constructed their roster in a way that is going to allow them to be successful when players struggle early in the year. When Marcelo Zuna, before he got arrested for felony domestic battery, which yeah, he probably should never play baseball again. Probably, definitely should never play baseball again. Freddie Freeman hovering near the Mendoza line. Dansby Swanson striking out every other at-bat. Oh, uh, Austin Riley being the team leader for the first two months of the year and then regressing to the mean, regrettably. He's, he's, I mean, it's yeah. it, it, the only bright spot for the Braves, and I should have known this on opening day, was with the pinch hit home run in Philadelphia. That was the one bright spot for the Braves so far this year. I mean, maybe not one bright spot. There's There have been a couple, a couple exciting games. Like, there was a, a crazy extras win against Philadelphia. Uh, there was... Again, any of Pablo Sandoval's pinch hit home runs. Ronald Acuna Jr. has been playing really well when he's been healthy. But it, by and large, I've been I've been really let down by the Braves this year uh, to the point where if they even come close to having a 500 record, it'll be a success. Yeah. They haven't had a 500 record all season, and they are not going in that direction. Yeah, um, for sure. I mean, all the points you made are are accurate, and um, there's just a lot of struggling players holes in our roster and just fearful fears that have come to light. And uh, another thing I think you can mention, you mentioned the front office. I mean, I, I know, you know, I hate relievers, but Mark Melanson's an all-star, you mm-hmm. know, yep. Mark that's a guy like, you know, they really could have used but between Mark Melanson and Will Smith. They let Melanson walk. Yeah. Interesting <laughs> choice. Very interesting choice. Was that a money thing or it's the, it's the Atlanta Braves. It's always a money thing. Yeah. They don't care. They don't care about winning. They care about turning a profit. I've, I've talked about this before. And it's funny because you, you and I talked about mentioning the Hawks, which we will do a little later. The Hawks uh, majority owner said that he is willing to spend more money if it means bring a championship to Atlanta. That's the mentality you want to have as uh, that's the manage. That's the mentality you want your owner to have as a fan. You want your owner to say, I'm all in on this. Let's go win a championship. You don't want your owners to say, well, you know, we had a successful year. We balanced the books really well. We uh, had a great year for our for our shareholders and and all that. Yeah. No, we don't. We're sports sports fans should don't shouldn't number one and do not care about turning a profit at the end of the day. They care about winning and seeing a winning team. Yeah. I mean, I mean, yes, it's just it's sports. It doesn't really matter at the end of the day. Uh, the no, you know the results sure. themselves. But it, it's just it's 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 so frustrating to to listen to people associated with the Atlanta Braves talk about anything other than sh- just throwing money at the problem because at some point at some point in life in baseball you have to throw money at the problem you have to you have to spend money to make money it's it's, it's pretty simple and the Atlanta Braves don't really get that yet i mean i think that, i think that um the one thing I do have to mention, right, is that 
you know, between Hano and and um, obviously, you know, Ian Anderson's a bright spot. If I'm playing the flip side, I think one thing we do have to acknowledge is is that the Soroka injury is is really tough because I, I do think that Soroka would help them a lot. He he absolutely would. And seeing that notification come across my phone was just the last punch in the gut that I needed as a Braves fan. I was just like, as if I needed more bad news for 2021 for the for the Braves. I mean, that's that's it. That's the season. There's no way that Soroka is going to pitch this year, and there's no way that the Braves are going to make the playoffs this year. If they make the playoffs by some miracle, then mark this day down, July 8th, 2021, or the 9th by the time you're hearing this, the Atlanta Braves are going to fail miserably in a chase for a postseason spot, let alone a winning record. Which they have not let's, had all year. Let's keep in mind, though, that despite the fact they're under five hundred, they're only four and a half games out of of the of the division. So mm, that is true. That is true. But then division in the wild card. The wild card teams are way ahead. <laughs> so yeah, that's it's funny because then you look at uh, who's leading the division. It's a team that you talked about specifically, Willie, at the at the beginning of the at the beginning of the season as being one where yeah they have an elite pitching staff, but that's not going to take them very far. Well, they're still in first place, and that pitching staff is here to stay because uh, New York Mets. Yeah. those first three are nasty. I mean, one is you know, the I read that best Jake, pitcher on the planet. And you know, Jake DeGrom supposedly has increased the spin mm-hmm. since June 3rd. I was he, reading that. DeGrom is a freak of nature, and he grew up a Braves fan. Liberty Media, I'm looking at you. Go and get DeGrom like, right now. Like, like, give them, I don't know, everything. Um, Jacob DeGrom, let me tell you something, bro. Jacob DeGrom is the exact kind of player um, you see in sports, all across sports. It's just the perfect example of a star who goes, who gets overlooked because he's on a team that's just never that good. And the Mets have not, you know, had teams that were okay. Second and third place divisions nearly made the playoffs. But um, now to see them on a good team and he has the spotlights, but the reality is that while he's been exceptional this season, he's been so good for what 10 years now so it's, it's just i'm glad to see the you know it's it's the mike trout syndrome oh, not not quite 10 years but yes okay well okay so what 20 it, seven years seven years uh something like that i think he made his debut in 14 late 14 okay. so i mean either way just incredible you know just incredible i think uh five-time all-star i think yeah so, and you know. we won't be seeing him in denver the all-star game which is a bit of a shame but you can understand it i mean this mm-hmm. is a guy who's already missed time and mm-hmm. it's he he wants to focus on helping the mets win a championship more than you know celebrating it the fact that he's the best pitcher on the planet at the all-star game mm-hmm. it's, it's just priorities you respect which you it with the, you, which you absolutely understand absolutely. yeah mm-hmm. uh on the other on the other side willie there have been some huge surprises this year and two of which I'll mention very quickly, but I want to get into the third one in great detail. Or not great detail, but I want to give the third one uh, its its time in the spotlight because I was so wrong about them. But we'll talk about the Marlins and the Giants okay. first. Okay. The Marlins are not in first. They're not tearing the cover off the ball like the other two teams that we're going to mention. But they just swept the Dodgers. Or they took at least three out of four. They I don't took, know if they won today. They, no, they Dodgers won today. Okay, so they took three out of four from the Dodgers, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, the Dodgers have been struggling a little bit, but they took three out of four from the Dodgers. Earlier in the year, they took three out of four from Atlanta in Atlanta. Yep. And they lost six to Sanchez for the year, but yep. the pitching staff is there. 
the offense is there mm. and the experience, which I think is one of the bigger things for them, is there. Yeah. Yeah. And you have a franchise player in Jazz Chisholm. You have yeah. veterans who can hit walk off tanks off the bench, yes, like Jesus Aguilar. Yes. And you have an experienced manager who has been there and done that. So Absolutely. I would not sleep on the Marlins as, as far as a wild card spot. If they get hot in July and August, wild card is not out of the question. Yeah. That's they could a, easily pass the Braves. Wow. That's a big call. I mean, I, I wouldn't say that's going to happen, but there are no, there are no, there are no doubt is a good mix on that team. And like you mm -hmm. said, um, I don't think it's, they definitely have some really good pieces. I don't. I don't think they have enough on the roster to be like this team is going to be really good at any point. But they have some really nice young pieces. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not necessarily a surprise that they are, or not necessarily a surprise in the sense that they're doing well. It's more a surprise in the sense that they are where they are right now, and they have shown recently this potential to play really good baseball in the second half of the season. I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, Owen. I mean, I've been saying this a little while, but, I, you know, Sandy Alcantara is really good. Sandy Alcantara. I mean, there's other starters on that team. Um, I mean, Pablo Lopez, too, mm, in addition yeah. to Sanchez. But uh, Sandy Alcantara is really good. Yeah. I did I have to watch the, the start against the Dodgers. I don't know if you saw where he, he gave up, like, eight runs in the first inning or something, like, crazy. But other than that, you know, it was okay. Yeah, no. Sandy Alcantara is, he's got electric stuff. Yeah, he and does. he's getting more and more experience, which is only going to make him get, it's only going to help him. That's mm -hmm. a scary thought for everyone in the NL East. He's amazing. Mm -hmm. The yeah. other team I want to briefly mention is the San Francisco Giants. Yeah. I don't think anyone had this on their 2021 bingo that. card. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I can't think of anyone who has thought, yeah, the Giants are going to be really good this year. Well, every it used to be every two years. Now, I guess yeah, every three years. <laughs> every every three now, you can't can't have it every year now. Yeah, uh, but yeah, they've been playing well. Kevin Gossman's been pitching really well, which is a shame yeah. because he, where was this in Atlanta? Well, a couple also years ago in Baltimore. Yeah, was, I mean, I guess it's right place, right time, right circumstance. But you know, good for him. He's he's pitching yeah. really well, and and the team's playing well. Oh, so. what a story that is! If they were to somehow beat the Dodgers and the Padres in that division. Mm. Wow. That would be I incredible. I wonder if they're going to fade. I'm not sure. And also, uh, nice. it's nice to see Buster Posey. Yes, yes. Again. I got to mention Buster Posey. It's nice to see him healthy again and, and playing well. Yeah, he did opt out of 2020, which was a, a shame, but understandable, obviously. You know, and even you before then, he had injuries. Uh -huh. Besides, True. obviously, there was the 2020. It was just a weird year. But yeah. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. It's, it's nice. And I should I just want to oh, mention real quick. Okay. Uh, and uh, Donovan Solano. I used to watch him play minor league baseball in Syracuse. Mm -hmm. I just want to mention that. Um, he was on. I'm trying to. I'm going to try to figure out the team. But I would love to see. But um, I am almost positive I saw him play a number of games. And uh, maybe not. Maybe it was Jonathan Solano. But I think I might have. <laughs> And, but that's Willie really seeing them before they're famous, so that's all that matters. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, go ahead. Uh, 
no, but it's just it's just I, I wanted to to give a, a a nice little mention to the San Francisco Giants this year because they played exceptionally well for the first half of the season, uh, far better than anyone else's expectations, and and definitely flying under the radar because of obviously the the headlines in the in the National League in the NL West this year. I mean, talk about obviously L.A. Yeah. and San Diego, but then Nolan Arenado getting traded by the Rockies, so you, you have to kind of keep an eye on Colorado as well, and then the D-backs being yeah. historically bad on the road. It was like like twenty twenty one in a row. Uh, like, losses uh, uh, on the road, which is see that come. Yeah, see that which come. which makes the fact that the Braves no hit them, uh, or shut them out in back to back games with a a seven inning no hitter by Madison Bumgarner, it, it makes it that much more embarrassing as a Braves fan. Like that that team that set the record for most consecutive losses, uh, road losses, they 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 shut you out in a doubleheader completely, no hit you in the second game, so. Well, you know, again, I'm not it. done with the Atlanta rant, obviously. I, uh, you know, it's it's crazy. Yeah, the the Diamondbacks mm-hmm. are. Two years ago, they were right there at the end of the season. They almost mm-hmm. the second wild card, and now yep. they are so bad. <laughs> like, F in the chat for the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, for sure, for sure. Yeah, but but Willie. Really, Willie, yes. the team I wanted to mention as the biggest surprise this season, and I don't think this is really up for up for discussion, especially based on the from this podcast, is is what we've been talking about with the American League previews. Yes, it's the Boston Red Sox. The Red Sox I called in the our American League preview or at some point earlier on in the year before the season started. I said, "Yeah, the Red Sox are going to be lucky to win eighty games." Yeah, you did say that. It is. It is July 8th as we record this right now. And the Boston Red Sox have won 54 games. Yeah. They need 26 wins for my prediction to look stupid. And given the rate, the way that they're playing, uh, I, I'm going to look really stupid really soon. Yeah, I mean, it's it's absolutely incredible. Uh, it is absolutely incredible, huh? Um, and, and I'll tell you what, man, I'll tell you what, um, they, what's incredible about it is that, um, you know, Tampa Bay has been playing really well and, uh, Toronto has been, been good too. Mm-hmm. So just, and the Yankees, despite what we talked about them, you know, they're, they're still there. So, you know, the fact that they, in a division that has legitimately like four good teams, they're just mm-hmm. killing it. It's, it's crazy. And. You know, there's some really nice stories on that team, but for me, Owen, I would say that the the biggest thing that's you know crazy to me, and I'm curious like what you think about this, Owen, is um like believe it or not, is um I just think Nathan Navaldi is a really nice story, mm. and I know I know he's not like the, maybe the biggest story of the team that you know this season, but. After what he did for the Red Sox in the World Series, and just see him not really um, live up to his really good potential in the various mm-hmm. places he pitched, it's just really nice to see him and struggle um, in with the Red Sox at times. It's just really nice to see him pitch well. Just want to say yep, that. definitely. Avaldi was on another level in the World Series and in, in the yeah. playoffs in 2018. It was absolutely incredible. Uh, and he definitely yeah. fell off a little bit after that, which is you know somewhat understandable because when you win a World Series, that's kind of the, the pinnacle of your sport. And when you reach yeah. the top, it's hard to stay there. It's hard to find the drive and the work ethic to stay there. But hey, he leads a team in ERAs. He leads a team in wins. 
and he's he's pitching exceptionally well. A two point four WAR this season, so yeah. a, a, a big kudos to Valdi. But and also, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say too. Another thing is, um, believe it or not, uh, I think one thing that we maybe should mention is that um, I know it's not a constellation prize. It reminds me of Trayum, but Alex Verdugo has produced decently well. Like I think if you're a Red Sox fan, mm-hmm. now you're looking at that Mookie Betts trade and you're like, well, okay, maybe that wasn't it wasn't terrible. We at least got a really good piece back in return. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's true, and and it'll it'll vindicate that decision to trade Mookie Betts even more if the Red Sox win the World Series this year. But I, who knows? Honestly, stranger things have happened. 2020 happened. We just, we don't know what to expect these days. It's it's just absurd. I do want to say also, Nick Pavetta has been a pleasant surprise oh, this yeah, year. Sure, sure, absolutely. He's leading the team with 109 strikeouts. The Red Sox, that is crazy. It's a lot. And who would have thought Nick Pavetta would was was a 97, 98 mile an hour kind of guy? No. Who would have thought? It's a great it's, story. Yeah. It's and absolutely a great story. The other thing, really quickly on the Red Sox, before I move, because I, I, in the interest of time, I do want to get to uh, a certain Shohei Otani. Oh, But yeah. the the fact that it, with the Red Sox this year, it hasn't been one player having a monster year. It's just been a group of collective guys having decent years. Which is awesome. Obviously, yes. obviously the three All-Stars in, in Martinez, Devers, and Bogarts, obviously they're all playing really well. But it's not just Devers with 71 RBIs. It's not just Bogarts with 100 hits. It's not just Martinez with, with uh, um, I'm sorry, no, it's, yeah, Martinez is up. J.D. Martinez is still up there. He's J.D. Martinez. He's a professional yeah, hitter. Professional Literally hitter. all he does. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's, it's, it's not one person this year, which is, yeah. makes it even more incredible because you, you realize every, every major contender is going to have one big player to lead the team maybe not if they're going you know three for four with with four rbis every night Mm -hmm. they're they're leading the charge for the team for the padres it's tatis jr for the blue jays it's flatty or dodgers it's a collection of mookie Betts who hasn't really played well this year and you know you're justin turners and you're max muncie's but Mm -hmm. For the Red Sox, it's it's not really one guy too, because Kike Hernandez has been pretty big too, even though his numbers haven't been stellar. It's been Hunter Renfro at times playing defensively. Oh, it's you know, been can, yeah, for sure. Marwin Gonzalez playing literally every position. It's been sure. Christian Vasquez, who's one of the most experienced players on that team, just coming up with clutch hit after clutch hit. It's it's a complete team effort by the Red Sox this year and I think that's exactly what they could have hoped for going into the year is bringing back Alex Cora to bring back a manager who knows the game really well knows his players really well and knows how to talk to the front office really well those three things he puts together I think better than any other manager in baseball and obviously it's a smaller sample size because he hasn't been a a solo manager of a team uh, for more than what three seasons I think it's his third full season in charge that's right so Again, yeah. it's it's one of those things where you just have to kind of be like, wow, I, I did not expect this, but to be pleasantly surprised like this is really nice. Yeah. Like, I, you know, good for them. No, I think that's a really good um it's a really good point. All up and down their lineup and in the rotation, um, they're getting really good performances from a variety of guys. You're right. This is different from, you know, you have JD Martinez and Mookie Betts and um but you know, no, for sure. It's a really good collective team spirit. And, and performance. I mean, I will say, obviously, you know, you're getting the best version 
of Bogart's endeavors for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, which everyone knows those two can really hit and have professional talent, but for sure you've got uh, Kiki Hernandez was a great piece to pick up. Yeah. Verdugo is a really good get. Marwin Gonzalez was a good get. Um, there's just a lot of really good, it's a lot, a, a very good team. Hunter Renfro. It's like crazy that this team is very changed. I mean, honestly, like pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you think, and, but I remember um, 2019, just how bad they were. The Red Sox were terrible, you know? And so, well, not, they weren't terrible, but they were not very they, good. They were just not a team that could so ever be. Yeah. It, it, they were just a team that hasn't been able to that, that wasn't able to hold a lead and they had i think the, i think they led the league in 2019 in blown saves it felt like every other time they had a save opportunity they they had, whoever it was whoever the closer was whether it was barnes or hembry at the time or uh, uh ryan brazier i think mm-hmm. every time they had a save opportunity it was just com- guaranteed blown save but yes hey good to see them playing well and you know proving proving me wrong of course is yeah. uh you know matt Bynes being nails back of the bullpen this year so and and i might add they don't even have chris sale back yet and that's probably uh, the scariest thing if a healthy chris sale pitches for this team which i don't think will happen but we'll, you know we may not get 100 percent chris sale this year but we're gonna we're gonna more uh, more likely than not get a very good chris sale I hope and so. any sort of chris be- sale is is gonna help this team a lot yeah absolutely i mean they, they paid enough money for it they would they would expect that kind of return on their investment no, absolutely. Anyways. And I do just want to say that, um, you know, uh, for for whatever it's worth, I feel like uh, you can clown the Yankees. And you talk about the Red Sox bullpen, which has been really good, but, you know, Adam Maravino looks like a really mm-hmm. pickup too. For, and for, and Garrett Whitlock as well, Garrett also Whitlock. former Yankee, who they let go for pretty much nothing. Yeah. So I so mean, that right there is just uh, – well, uh, Maybe Dave Dombrowski was really worse than we thought. <laughs> Maybe Dombrowski, uh, you see, yeah, yikes. Yeah, pretty crazy. Very, yeah. very crazy. Uh, Willie, I want to mention a couple more things before we wrap up the baseball segment of today's episode. Go ahead. I want to, I want to look at some players to watch for the second half of the season. None of these are going to be a surprise, but all of them are going to make this late summer, early fall so okay. exciting. Go ahead. Fernando Tatis Jr., Vladimir Guerrero Jr., and Shohei Otani. That's it. I mean, Shohei Otani's not going to be in October because the Angels are not oh, you great. Said, okay, Fernando Tatis Jr., Vladdy Jr., and who's Vladdy Jr. and and Otani. Otani oh. for obvious reasons because he's yeah. he he is doing things that okay. are they make you feel things as baseball fans. You're just like, wow, this dude is really going to punch out ten guys tomorrow, and he's already got three yeah. mammoth oh, home God. runs. Otani is, I mean, he, I mean, all right, I do just got to say though. As good as a pitcher as he is, we got to talk about the hitting. He he leads the majors in homers so far this year. <laughs> and and almost none of them are cheapies too. They are all mammoth home oh, runs. It is. Oh, and it is. I had this thought recently, Willie. Imagine how many home runs Shohei Otani would hit if he played 81 games at Yankee Stadium. I mean, you're talking about we're we're talking 50-60 territory easily. Yeah. If he if he's playing that many games at that stadium, then oh my goodness. Yeah. Plus with a hundred plus off uh, out of his hand with the splitter that makes you 
uh, lose your soul. I don't get oh, it. Oh, yeah. I, it's really I really good. don't. I, I should dispense it. That's good, but Otani's also been affected by the spin. Just like want to throw it out there. He's been his spin is noticeably down. He's another one of these guys that seems mm. to be. So I do just have that to is throw true out. as well. But yes, he has a very good pitch and he can throw hard too. Yeah. So so, so yeah. he's the complete package, and I honestly don't know why I haven't driven down to Anaheim for a game. I think we need to we need to make that happen at some point. Let's definitely do it, man. Yeah, I saw them play uh, Cleveland, and uh, he he hit home run there. But no, no of course sure. he did. <laughs> hopefully they can be. Be good, yeah. No, those are three amazing players, but I think Otani of those three just has to be the biggest story of the season. Yeah, uh, I'll give well, you two. Otani does the most for sure out out of those. The other two is mostly for the offense. Tatis's catch uh, either last night or the night before, where he like basically double clutched in midair, like he almost it looked like he almost double jumped. It's yeah. just oh yeah yeah, and and this is a big dude too. This is not like a this is not like a skinny guy. With just strong legs, we're t- he's a big dude. I mean, he's he's got to be at least at least six two, well over two hundred. Yeah, I mean, so this is, he's not a small individual. Yes, absolutely. He's he's big. He's big, and uh, he's tall too. I think he's taller mm-hmm. than I thought he was. Yeah. Um, but yeah, what he's doing at the plate is just. And the other day he had a, he had a, like a three home run game once too. So it's just like wow, like this is this is absurd. Um, mm. All right, I'll give you I'll give you uh, a couple for what it's interesting. I mean, I think there's a lot of directions you could go. I would say mm-hmm. I'll give you three, and I'll just mention them uh, really quick. Yeah. I'll give you the return of Vila Jimenez. I'm excited mm-hmm. about that he's going to come soon, and Yon Mancada because yep. you know mm-hmm. I love Yon Mancada. Which, yep. By the way, the um, you know that that's a team that uh, is surging. By the way, uh huh. Yep. And. Um, actually, believe it or not, um, <laughs> the other player on that team, and uh, to me, this is this is kind of um, surprise. This might be kind of surprising, but um, you know, to me, <laughs> this is me. I love Jesse Winker. I'm gonna say Jesse Winker because he's having a great season and he's a fiery guy. I mean, hey, this this is two Reds. Him and Castellanos is two Reds starting in the All Star game for the first time since. Yeah, I can't remember what the stat was. It, it was it was the first time in a long time, and, uh, it, you know, I think the there's there's talent around those two for sure in Cincinnati. Yeah, but you know, maybe Joe if Joey Votto was about five years younger, then they'd oh, have a real a real three three headed monster Adam in their lineup. Adam Dunn. Uh, oh no, not Adam Dunn. Uh, no, but those are those are three players to watch, and we haven't talked about the White Sox a whole lot because we kind of expected them to be really good. Maybe not I'm as good as they are. Not this good. Yeah, especially with um, and and you even consider the fact that Yerman Mercedes got sent down a couple days ago. Yep. I mean, he's been struggling since he started off the season, looking like he was going to go like you know he's going to get four hits every single game this year. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, it's. A, I didn't think they were going to do this well. For sure, mm-hmm. everything's working out for them right now. Yeah, and and you also talk about the issues with uh, with swinging three zero on uh, Mercedes swinging three zero, and you thought that was going to cause a huge rift in the team. Yeah, but honestly, it hasn't really seemed like it's affected him all that much. Billy Hamilton had that crazy catch last night, <laughs> and uh, you know, there's just you know, do not be surprised if the White Sox end up in the World Series. That's no one would be surprised at that, but just just for the for the casual fan who doesn't really know much about baseball. 
The Chicago White Sox um, this year. They're for real. One of my worst takes. I told you previously I was going to pick Luis Arise as a sleeper. I said my MVP pick, if you remember, I picked for AL. I picked Luis Robert. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who's currently on the shelf. He's on the shelf. And even before that, he wasn't having a great season. Yeah. So <laughs> that was a bummer. Yeah. Win MVP one day, but yeah, I mean, it, you know, it, it will be Vladdy, but you know, Vlad, I mean, if he stays healthy, of course. Yeah, sure. That's always the caveat this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last thing before we move on, it's very, very quick. It's just a statement on Trevor Bauer, Willie. I think we're probably yeah. in agreement on this one. Um, Trevor Bauer being uh, in the position he's in, he's facing a. Uh, allegation of serious allegation of fel- of felony sexual assault, and he's on administrative leave right now. I, I can't put into enough words how disgusting this kind of behavior is. Um, yeah. There's there's no place for this for anyone, let alone for a professional athlete sure. who is being paid millions of dollars yeah. and is a public mm-hmm. figure. Let's let's not forget he's a public figure where his life is very much in in you know out for everyone to see. Yeah. Uh, and for for this to happen is yeah it's it's disgusting and kudos yeah. to the dodgers for for distancing themselves as far as they can they took him off bobblehead night they have kept him on administrative leave or they've they haven't appealed mlb's administrative leave he should be on that list until the investigation is over and until there's a verdict in the case it, it's I, yeah for sure it's is one thing to instantly cancel someone for having uh, you know, for allegedly saying something or doing something wrong a few years ago, but this is a very serious case right now. There's no place for for him in baseball until this investigation is over. I think that's there's nothing more you can say than that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I agree. I would say the only thing I would caution is just we should, you know, you should always let due process play out. And I think obviously the allegations are incredibly serious, and I I definitely agree he should be on leave till then. But you know, we can't as you know as even though there are pictures. We can't jump to conclusions about what happened. We weren't there. So that's all assuming that he actually did what, you know, some of the reports that's, are. But everyone deserves right to a fair investigation. And right. right. Now, that's fair as well. I would just say that it's it's important to to just recognize that being in this situation regardless mm-hmm. with the allegations as serious as they are is definitely a huge red flag. No, absolutely. So yeah, just, absolutely. For, just for anyone who's un, unaware of the situation – I'm sure he's been in in the news in literally every place you can think of uh, yeah. in in North America. Yeah, at least yeah. in at least certainly in LA, mm-hmm. but all across the yeah, country. Absolutely, it's very sad. Not very sad. not good. Not yeah. not a good not a good look for for anyone involved. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. But that's just baseball. We got another sport to talk about in the podcast. Yeah. Thankfully, primarily, we yeah. got the beautiful game. And Willie, of course, we mentioned this earlier in the show. Congratulations, a sincere congratulations. This is this is actually sincere. I promise. Uh, to Chelsea for winning the Champions League for the second time in their club's history. It's uh, They were not supposed to be there. And the fact that they put in that kind of performance against a Manchester City team who looks certain to win it this year, uh, I think is, is remarkable as far as uh, players like Kai Havertz oh, playing yeah. at the highest level. It's Tomas Tuchel as a manager. It's yeah. really giving him the credit he deserves. It's players like Mason Mount who are establishing themselves as one of the premier playmakers yes. in the sport and and just the general team oh yeah the, the organization i mean yes chelsea we make fun of how many managers chelsea go through every year but the results don't lie and if you're a fan you want to see results and these results don't lie this is incredible 
Yeah, I think um, it was an incredible performance. Just a very, very good performance from the team, not just the win. And Tuchel pushed all the right buttons. I mean, starting Havertz, that's a big call. And he produced the way they played um, cohesively. And to beat a team, and you can say all you want about Pep, but Manchester City... Um, you know, they had struggled. They lost their last game of the season. But, man, before that, they went on this huge winning streak. They were playing incredibly well. Um, so just to win the manner, and the manner in which they did, where they were, they were, you know, so solid defensively. Man City had, you know, one or two chances. But just to see the way that they, they counterattacked, the way they um, press as a unit, it's just – Unbelievable work by the coach, I think. Uh, mm. Absolutely. And on the flip side, like you said, uh, Pep overthought it again. And there are several tactical tweaks that he made in the game, but the most you know, visible one, obviously, was not, deciding not to start a holding midfielder against Chelsea, who can drive right through the middle of the field. Um, so, I know. mean... And not just any holding midfielder, too. We're talking about Rodri, who had the most minutes played for City in all competitions this yeah. past season. I mean, this is literally your definition of Mr. Reliable. And you have Fernandinho. And, and oh. Fern- exactly. The, the, literally the club captain in, yeah. the games, in the biggest game in the history of that entire football club. Mm-hmm. So to me, it, it seems it's, you know, I, I want to give Pep, the utmost respect because he is such a, he is such a good manager. And yes, I do believe he's a world-class manager and probably the best in the world, but there are moments and there have been moments since he left Barcelona where overthinking big games or not being able to get the most out of his players. And mind you, he has had incredibly loaded squads. The Mm. worst team I think he had as a manager was that 2000 what was it 2016 2017 Manchester City team his first city his first team uh his first yeah, season in England right finished fourth yeah exactly that was probably his worst squad and they finished yeah. fourth and the money they spent after that the money that he and and city were able to spend on fullbacks and on all sorts of players up and yeah. down the pitch and creating this juggernaut of a team at least domestically it's it's incredible to look at this domestic success, but then you look at internationally what he's been able to do. And it's, it's disappointing when you think about how much we talk about how good of a manager he is. Well, you know, what's ironic about it on is um, you're right. And I love to just do a theme podcast where we just talk about and pre go over the career of Pep Guardiola. But mm. yeah, it's, um, it's really startling. Um, you know, and you'd thought when they got through the semis, um and also beaten Dortmund you're like man this is this is this is the time um but it's really startling that it happened again I also just think like sometimes um not only does he overthink it but I just think that I don't know I would accuse of arrogance a little bit mm-hmm. in the sense that forget you know yes at times this season he was, they fixed the defense and they're really cautious I know it's just a small thing, but, um, you know, the, the one I, thing I would say that, you know, throughout the, his time, for whatever reason, the one um, position I would really say they never really figured out was left back. There were always mm. issues at left back. 
yeah. various guys, and they decided to start Zinchenko in the game, who's not a natural, you know, left back. And sure enough, Zinchenko got was out of position. Uh, and so, you know, I just think that's an example of well, you know, just you know, don't don't sometimes you just have to be a little little more you know straightforward and not cuckoo, you know, and, and yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that, that is hundred percent the case, but then you look at, you know, what kind of psychological impact this could have on a team to be so dominant for the entire season yet to fall yeah. flat in the biggest game, the one that they really want to win, the one that matters. You, you think, wow, what does this do to a team psychologically? Honestly, they're going to, they're going to pick up right where they left off next season. If they don't get to the final again, it'll be another disappointment. Yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised if they spent upwards of 150 million uh, dollars on on players over the transfer window. I mean, we're, we've still got the euro, so nothing's really going to be, you know, nothing's going to pick up really. I mean, we've had moves here or there that, of course, we'll talk about a little bit. I think, yeah, uh, with of course Donnarumma and Ramos. Ramos will talk about a little bit as well. Uh, it, but it, I would not be surprised if if they come back next year just as strong, if not stronger, with a with a out and out left back as well, a a. Yeah. left-footed left-back, we'll put it that way, because yeah, sure. Cancelo's not a left-back, Danilo wasn't a left-back, no, no. Zinchenko's not a left-back. Mendy so, is, but he, he's you know, unreliable. But he, he can't stay healthy. No, it's, no, he, he gets injured a lot. Uh, yeah. No, no, and uh, for sure, and, and you know, maybe buy another forward as well. Yeah, um, and of course, Kane has been the, the name on everyone's mind, and if England win yeah. Euro 2020, then... then I, I am almost certain that he's going to go to City because oh he'll just go to Tottenham and say, I want to win more trophies like this. I can't do this with you. I can do this with Man City and tell his agent, get me moved to Man City. And they'll make it work somehow. They'll <laughs> yeah. they'll stumble upon another 200 million pounds yeah. knowing knowing Man City. Oh, man, they really will. Yeah, I, yeah. Um, I got to tell you, the form that they were in the second half of the Premier League season and how well they played in the Champions League, how they dismantled PSG, mm -hmm. and how they, you know, it, it seemed like he even said in, in one of his post-match conference, all of these five years make sense. And you're thinking just this is their time. So mm. lose that to Chelsea, um, who honestly, you know, is not one of the better Champions League winners, uh, let's be honest. On paper, no. On, on form, paper. absolutely. On form, they were playing great. But, you know, it's got to sting. It's, it's mm -hmm. definitely got to sting. Mm -hmm. No, definitely, definitely. And you mentioned the second half of the Premier League season, Willie. I want to touch on that as well because we had a chaotic end of the season. The last well, three, four games for everyone... Or Leicester. ...were... I mean, it, that collapse by Leicester reminded me of when Brendan Rodgers was manager of Liverpool oh, yeah. in 2013-14 when oh they God. they lost games that they absolutely could not lose and they dropped points where they really really could not afford to drop yeah. points and it obviously the Liverpool team I think was a little better and and Suarez was out of his mind and Leicester never really had that kind of a player in that kind of form so it's a different story and Rodgers has obviously done a terrific job as manager wherever he's been uh, after Liverpool, anyways, at, at Celtic, he was phenomenal. And Leicester, what he's built consistently over the last couple seasons, I think is better than they could have owed for, really. You know, yeah. considering where Leicester were, especially af right after they won the title. Sure. Um, but it's it's a shame. It's a shame for Leicester to miss out on Champions League like that. But the way that teams, uh, the teams that finished third and fourth, ended their seasons is incredible. Yeah. 
So not only did Chelsea beat City, what was it, three times in the span of a couple of weeks? Uh, uh, yeah. But they, they, they won the Champions League. They finished fourth. And considering where they were early in the season, they had a really, really, really good year. We should mention losing the last game, too. They won mm-hmm. despite losing the last game of the season. <laughs> that was definitely a kind of hold your breath moment because you saw Leicester go ahead against Spurs. Yep. Uh, and then Spurs continued, proceeded to do what usually yeah. happens to them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, Willie, you know the reason I wanted to bring up the Premier League end of the season, the last few oh, games. You know I want to bring it up. It, it, I have never seen a moment more just bizarre and incredible. And you run out of adjectives to describe Allison's header against West Brom. You just you can't put it into words how yeah. incredible that was for a goalkeeper to score what a 95th minute winner uh, oh, when the team yeah. needs a full three points at the that's very end of the, the season. Most memorable things that's happened, you know, ever really. I mean, that that I mean, was just absolutely. And when that happened, you knew it's like, yeah, this is their time, but. Talk about a memorable end of the season. I mean, and, and one of the things, too, is, is you know, neither mm-hmm. one of us are particularly religious, Willie, mm-hmm. but that was an act of God. That was, there is no other explanation for that. Allison, who had been through so much this year, obviously, uh, on the pitch, there was the debacle against Man City where he gave uh, two goals away, I think it was. Two of those four City goals were his fault directly. Yeah, sure. And then on a personal note for him to lose his father in, in the, yeah, you know, in the tragic Brazil, way that he yes. did was really just gut wrenching for, for yeah. anyone who knows how good of a person Allison is. He's, I mean, I don't know him personally, but you know, all everything that people say about him yes. seems to be true. seems to mm-hmm. be just, he's a very genuine, really good oh. dude to, to lose anyone in a family like that. But his father, who I'm sure got him into football and, and helped him develop as a player. Uh, it's, it's, gut-wrenching so to see the reaction when he scored the goal against West Brom uh it it was it was literally an act of God and you know he is a really really religious guy so I'm sure he he thought something similar yeah Uh, but what what a moment too it's if if we thought he was a a instrumental player in the club's history before he's a club legend now already him and Van Dyke are already club legends and it's they've played what four seasons together yeah sure yeah, so. I mean, that was one of the most iconic moments in Liverpool. And when you saw that, you're just like, yeah, I know in the last couple of games, like they're they're mm. win, and it's just a matter of can Leicester and Chelsea hold them off, them off, mm. really, you know? Yeah, and I, I will say though again, and this is the Liverpool hat coming on, but it's for for Liverpool to finish third, given everything that happened from January to May. Sense. Yeah, absolutely incredible end of the season. I mean, that I do is... think, though, I do think we have to remember that, like, I, the only thing I'll say is that is a credit to the start of their season because we're talking about, you know, when when Christmas rolls around, we're like, wow, is, like, is Liverpool going to go back-to-back? Like, are they going to win it again? Mm-hmm. I do think we forget. And remember they had that game against Crystal Palace where they well, they beat them 7-0? Yeah, 7-0 in December. Like, this team, they're going to get on form here, like, so I will just say that it's cr- as crazy as that four months was, they did start off the first couple months well, despite everything that happened. No, they did, and and everything before the Van Dyke injury, I think it was a it was like a month worth of games. Yeah. Before that, maybe a little a little more than that, perhaps. Perhaps it, it 
you didn't get the sense that it was going to be that kind of season before Van Dyke got hurt. And then that happened, and you're like, okay, this is going to be tough for them to go back to back. And then they score seven against Crystal Palace. They're top of the table at Christmas. You're feeling, yeah, we're feeling good about the season this year. And then all of a sudden, the center backs start dropping like flies. They pick up Ozan Kabak and Ben Davis for a uh, combined, what, two million pounds between the two of them? Uh, yeah. Kabak on loan and, and Davis full time. And okay. then. Everyone starts getting injured. There's the penalty that wasn't a penalty against Burnley at home. There's the shambolic game against uh, Brighton at home. And you're thinking, wow, this this team is a shambles. They're they're going to finish outside the top four. And then yeah. whatever it was, Klopp just rallying the troops in classic Jurgen fashion and, and getting this team over the line in third of all places was unbelievable. And I, I don't think I've ever seen a, a late season run the table performance like that no absolutely just consistently absolutely. absolutely um you're forgetting to defeat the chelsea too but um yeah we don't we don't talk about that kind of game we don't, we don't yeah talk about no that. it was really it was and and i should just say um the thrashing by city too they thrashed him as well yeah no that and, uh, that game and um, that game may be big sad yeah. And and the Everton game as well. Losing to Everton was annoying. But next year you can you can be you can be damn you can be sure that uh Pickford's gonna get a very, very warm reception at Anfield uh when he uh when when Everton come to town. Warm, because warm, warm warm in the sense that he is gonna need some security. Because Yeah. After after what he did to Van Dyke, and hmm. you know, knowing do, the do you, uh, do you think there there should be like in baseball, there like um, there should be some equivalent of you hit him with the curveball, or you something like that. Should there I, be- I don't know if it's going to be something like that. I think Van Dyke is probably going to send him a message How on a on a corner, but. Oh. Uh, I don't think there's going to be anything like that. That's I mean, like that. you kind of bump into him on a corner. Yeah. Yeah. The other part of that, I think there might be a little, I mean, for Van Dyke, it might be personal vendetta, but I think, I think Klopp is going to tell the players, like guys, like we know what the, we know what the situation's like. We know the story here, but you know, that was a long time ago. We've moved past it since then. We're in the champions league. They're not, you know, we're Liverpool, they're Everton. You know, it, it's, it, I, I think it'll be handled really well by, by Klopp, but as a fan, I do want to see a little bit of Van Dyke throwing an elbow at Jordan Pickford. <laughs> of I do want to see a little bit of that because it's it's, it's Pickford. If it's only Jordan Van Pickford. Dyke, uh, you know, played in the Euros and they played against oh. uh, England somehow. Netherlands, England in the Euros with a fully fit Van Dyke would have been, oh my goodness, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. oh boy, that would have been uh, that would have been something. Mm-hmm. But I, again, I'm sure I'm sure Jurgen's going to handle that perfectly. Uh, when the Premier League season starts in actually a little more than a month's time. We're, yep. we're getting close to it already, which is crazy, crazy to think. Yeah, players have no offseason. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Especially playing in all of the all the Premier League players in the English squad. Like yeah, it's, it's, I think it's pretty much every player except for Trippier. Yeah, yeah. Is is in the Premier League. Yeah, and then we got to remember too, now these are Copa America. Oh, Yeah. But then also, then you've got the African Cup of Nations. So it's mm-hmm. like they're going to be tough. Then it's like those guys are going to be there for a couple of months, and they'll be gone. Yeah, and then the end of next calendar year is the World Cup. So. And then I have, do we know how it's going to work yet? We still don't know in terms of how they're going to adjust the club season. Are they just mm-hmm. going to play? <laughs> what are they going to do? 
they're they're gonna have to pause it or something because it's like it, it's it's the World Cup. How can you how can you have club football at the same time as the World Cup? Teams are gonna play like with decimated squads. Like, yeah, it, like it's gonna be like U twenty threes left, right, and center. Like that's right, not yeah. not as appealing, but no, no. Um, Uh, Willie, we should talk. We should talk briefly about Euro twenty twenty though, leading up to the final. um, Because tournament football, you know, there's something about teams like Denmark and and teams that have teams that are spurred by moments like that. And of course, you know, it was a really scary thing to see Ericsson go down like that and and have that happen to him. And it's just moments like that that can sometimes spur teams on to to win the tournament. Yeah, Uh, it just wasn't the case for Denmark, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, and it, it's it's it was it was tough. It was a tough watch as someone who wanted to see Denmark make the final. Yeah, um, not because England don't deserve it, not because you know sure. it, it it's it's coming home or whatever, but it's just it's 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 tough for Denmark. It really is. Yeah, I mean, um, you thought maybe it was meant to be, and just how good they looked after the Finland game. Um, yeah, just. That's the beauty of first of all, that's no, that's so sad what happened to Erickson. Um I I love tournament football. I love it's my favorite kind of soccer. I love it's so fun. There's so much pride on the line. Players care so much more. If you ask them, they would probably care more about their country. And then you see teams make run like this, and it was just a really magical run. Mm. And um yeah, they just kind of ran out of gas in that game. Yeah, it's, it's really sad. And uh, man, if they had been England at Wembley, oh, that would have been the yeah. scenes that there would have been outside Wembley would have been. I mean, they would have. We would have seen some rioting in the streets for sure. Yeah, and uh, um, for sure. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, and I just, I do just want to say, you know, I watched the game and I just, oh, I know it's the most basic thing we're talking about. They got robbed with the penalty kick. Yeah, no, I was, I was just about Absolutely to ask you. Ridiculous. You can't. I was, like it. I'm watching that game, and I'm like, okay, this is like a very evenly matched game for the most part. Well, England, mm. England um, played better than them in the second half, but there's not a ton in it. And it was like all of a sudden, man, to get robbed like that on a little contact and that's in the post match i'm sorry sterling has a reputation for diving a little bit so i you know i don't give him the benefit of the doubt and the ref to insert himself at that game and the players would not have complained that much if they didn't call anything so mm-hmm. i just find that game was screaming i thought penalty kicks and uh mm-hmm. yeah i agreed shame no, I, I, it was funny. I was going to ask you uh, what you thought. I was going to ask you, was it a penalty? And I think you and I both agree it wasn't a penalty. I remember saying, though, as it happened, I watched the replay and I went, this isn't a penalty, but they're going to give it anyway because it's England. And look what happened. And, and, and no, one, no one seems to care on the English side. I mean, and rightfully so, you know, if it was, if it was the U S I'm sure, you know, if the shoes on the other foot, I'm sure it's the same thing. If it was the other way. Oh my goodness. No, no, but it wasn't a penalty. I think most people, I mean, even guys like Gary Lineker, Gary Neville, a lot of the beat, a lot of the, the sky and the BT pundits and you know, the, the English analysts are all saying, no, it wasn't a penalty, but we don't really care because England's going to play in a, a cup final. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, I gotta tell you, 
I gotta tell you, Owen, this is exactly the scenario I want. As a, a casual fan, I like England, but I want England to make the final lose because I just want to see the media continue to talk about the hype for the team every tournament and like that. Yes, they got over the semifinal hurdle now, but like when are they actually going to win a tournament? It's so fascinating to listen. So I'm just hoping Italy will beat them, and I think they will. I do. Think yeah. So. But you, you know, so you think Italy's going to win on on Sunday? I do. I do. I, I what's, think. Um, what's the score? Yeah, it's tough, but um. With the defenses being so good, you figure there's not much in the game. I'm going to go Italy 1-0 next time. That's mine. Oh. Yeah. I'm going to go 2-1 Italy and also an extra time. Hmm. Do you? Okay. Yeah, I've got England scoring a late equalizer on a on a corner, but then conceding in the first like 30 seconds of extra time. Okay, why well, do you think Italy is going to win the game? They've been the best team in the tournament. I don't think there's any question that they have yeah. been top to bottom the and best team. That on the winning streak, just four mm-hmm. qualifying. And, and yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and yeah, go on. And and look, Spain took them to penalties, and you can talk about how if not for yeah, if not for X Y Z thing with Spain, then they would have won that game. But truthfully, it, Spain never looked like they were gonna score. They were gonna really put more than one past Italy. Um, obviously, the, the chance they had with Morata, it was a, it was a really good chance, and he, he took it very well, so credit to Morata. I, I just want to say, though, also, death threats for a, a player and his family about a sport, like, like tranquilo, please. Like, come on, it's a sport. It, it It's not life or death. It should not be life or death. It's not. It's a sport. I get it. It means a lot, but it's a sport. It's death oh. threats, no. Yeah, Absolutely. Morata was getting, he was getting, de- his he and his family were getting death threats. So sad. It's ridiculous. Like it's a sport. For God's yeah. sakes, come on, please. The unfortunate please. part about this zone is that this happens. Uh, um, this is not uh, mm-hmm. unusual. You know, players do commonly get death threats. You know, I mm-hmm. fairly commonly, to be honest. Yeah. You know, imagine, imagine really if sad. he was black. Imagine if Morata was black. Yeah, yeah. Imagine the kind of threats he would get. It, it's, it's. Yeah. It's disgusting. I gotta it's... tell you, and I don't know how athletes handle it because if that happened to me, I would just be psyched out. I would lose it. Yeah. I gotta tell you, man. Though what Morata's going through, all the criticism he got before that <laughs> was just mm. the Spanish national team was crazy. So yeah. Um. Yeah. Um, and also, I just you know you, I you do gotta say what's so interesting. Well, about this um about this uh, matchup in, in that sense is that, man, these, uh, from, uh, from an England, from an England perspective, um, they, they really like, I think people are, are saying this casually, but, um, I, I don't think they their squad is so loaded. Like I don't think uh, I think it's championship or bust. I really don't think a lot of the media is saying, well, you know, it's okay to make the final. We made the final, but but no, you know, I pretty crazy. And and yet here we are, yep. England, Italy at Wembley for the Euros, Euro twenty twenty, a year late and a year far more drunk. I mean, the Euros this year were just one, some of the most insane tournament football we've seen probably in our lifetimes. 
Yeah. But she has stats most on goals. Most on goals. Some of the goals we've seen have been insanity. Some of the goals we've seen have been utter stupidity. Yep. Uh, I, I'm just I'm I, I honestly don't know what what else to say about Euro 2020 except yep. Sunday should be a very interesting game to say the least. Potentially one of the best cup finals we've had. Yeah. I do want to mention a, a few a few teams before we get onto hot takes though before we wrap up this the main part of the show. Uh, Germany and Portugal. Mm, yeah. specifically okay. very disappointing particularly portugal i think that the amount of talent portugal have and the way they're all playing for their clubs yeah is it, it's shocking to see them play the way they did yeah i mean i think it's important to remember uh they won the euros last time after finishing third in their group so it wasn't mm-hmm. like they performed all that much better but um yeah i would say those two teams um i'm not as surprised about you said germany i'm not as surprised about germany I, I don't think their squad is – Portugal's disappointment, I think France has to be number one to me, though. Yes, relative to the strength of the squad, yeah. But I, I think the point with Germany was that it's more just a collective long-term disappointment that this has kind of been starting since the World Cup. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's kind of progressed downhill. I mean, they played better, yes, this time than they played in the World Cup, but it, it was just a, a rough tournament for the Germans. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there were signs at certain points, but I think – um, Muller's miss against France was was the the big one. Mm-hmm. Or was it was it against France or was it against England? Uh, 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 Fran- France, I think. Yes. Well, e- either way, Germany did not play well. Disappointing tournament. But with Hansi Flick coming in to be the national team manager, do not be surprised if they're in the final next in the World Cup. Do not be surprised because Hansi Flick is an incredible manager. Yeah. At least at a club level. Yeah. No, I mean, he is. He's he's a fantastic manager. He'll I have no doubt he'll return Germany to to the squad. I mean to the promised land, you know? Mm-hmm. You know? Um we talked about France a little bit, Willie. Yep. Mbappe's penalty was gee, uh, that was a disappointing penalty from Mbappe. Maybe hopefully it drove down his price tag a little bit. So, you know, he he'd been inclined to try something new, particularly in oh, yeah. uh, particularly in the northwest of England. The fact that the tournament went so badly for him. Probably just you know maybe maybe that team in the northwest of England will uh, yeah and apparently he always asks about the Premier League right so yeah he'll be oh man well maybe it's time for me to go try the Premier League yeah I heard Liverpool's looking for me so uh, hey Jurgen let's let's link yeah right? <laughs> I mean, that's, oh um, that'd be something that would be something but it's not it's uh, it's not gonna happen as much be, as I want it to happen it's it's not that would be crazy <laughs> um yep. the other team I want to mention though is Belgium. Oh, okay. That was a disappointing tournament for Belgium. There's no way to slice it. Oh, I mean, I would say in the sense, I mean, it's tough just because Italy looks so good, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, unfortunately, they ran into the quarterfinals. Yeah. But but the amount of talent they have on that that squad. You you have one of the most informed strikers in the world in Lukaku, the best midfielder in the world in De Bruyne, one of the best goalkeepers in the world in Courtois, and just enough pieces around them to make it so that they have enough to win. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, it's a shame they, they ran into the the most informed team at the tournament in Italy, but you know, it's you gotta be disappointed a little bit if you're if you're Belgian. You gotta be disappointed with the way that kind of fizzled out at the end. Yeah, no, I mean absolutely. I really sad and, and overall, um, you know, didn't play their best for sure either. No. It's not like they went out swinging, you know. 
So exactly. For sure. For but. sure. Yep. It'll be a good final. Uh, I do want to mention also the Copa America final, Argentina-Brazil. Never yeah, a dull yeah. game. So that'll be fun on Saturday as well. And of course, Euro 2020, England against Italy. Is it coming home? The consensus between Willie and myself is no. It's not. And will go crazy. But stranger things have happened. It is 2021 after all. Let me ask one, you one question. What is yeah. the fan obsession with Jack Grealish? <laughs> I mean, he's a quality player, and he's he's played well for the team. But yeah, I, I'm I'm kind of with you. I think there's he's a little overhyped, also because he's English. But yeah, you know, I I I get it. At the same time, I don't get it. So yeah, I'm kind of with you there. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So, with that said, Willie, hmm. it is time for our favorite segment, yeah. the last segment of the show. You yeah. all know it. You all love it. It's our hot take segment. Okay. Okay. Willie, I'll start us off with one that you've heard before. Okay. But it's taking on a new form now because this player is making a career change. Real Madrid are going to be just fine without Sergio Ramos. They are going to be just fine. They are not going to miss him at all. At all. He Ramos is to defending what Ben Simmons is to a jump shot. Wow. It okay. looks like it should be good. It probably comes off in some cases as good, but it's it's not. It's not. Well That's all I, I would, got on that. I, I would say um his defending may be inconsistent, but as you know, there's no doubt that Real Madrid are better in the with him and team without you know, there's a reason Zidane really wanted him to start the second Champions League game and uh for leadership qualities and he plays well on, on the right day. And um, yeah, I, I yeah. can backtrack. I can just add that from a pure footballing on field tactical, you know, playing football perspective, leadership wise, they're going to miss him for sure. Leadership, mm-hmm. the intangibles, but the actual technical and the quality that he possesses as a footballer, they're not going to miss that. Yeah, not, not at this age anymore. I would say he, he mm, looked at this age or ever. No, I would say, oh. <laughs> no. I, he He's been good at some points. I'll admit I that. But, been, no. but I, I think on it, just, I don't think you can underestimate that because I just want to say, I mean, Sergio Ramos was a big part of Real Madrid really struggled at the beginning of the season. And yes, you could say they were never that great season, but they challenged for a La Liga title and they made the semifinals of the Champions League in large part. Uh, it, was really helped by Sergio Ramos. Zidane insisted on keeping him in the lineup throughout the season, and him and the veterans on that team really got them uh, playing. They played really well the second half of the La Liga season. So, yeah, I think he's definitely going to be missed a lot for sure. I think yeah. I think that believe it or not, this could be a Vincent Company kind of situation, where or initially you're looking at it and they clearly missed him for a little bit. That's fair. I'll concede that. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, I'll let you take a swing at your uh, your first hot take before I give my second and final. You want to you want to hear it? Okay. Yeah. Hit me. <laughs> Hit you. Okay. Uh, so uh, here here is mine. Um, so I think that um, and this is a really um, kind of sad thing. Uh, 
for me to say. Um, but I, I do think, uh, I do think that, and this is going to be crazy for me to say, um, because this is a really big deal if you're interested in this stuff. I'm not going to say it firmly. I think there is a, a fantastic argument that we will say that Travis Schlick and the Hawks actually won the trade a few years ago with the Mavericks because For the way that Luca trade, up, as Luca is a transcendent superstar player, but the Hawks got two players back, and I was wrong about Trey Young, but Trey Young proved he's a legitimate superstar. I loved watching him in the postseason; he was just incredible, and he's not as good as Luca. There's no, he's no way he's good, but not only with the Resh, but just how good he is, that went from one of the worst trades in sports history to man, like, held sir. So, that is a, that is a ballsy take. And, and it's a very ballsy take because in the NBA world, people think that that is one of the worst trades simply because of how good Luke is. But uh, Trey Young is, is really, really good too. That's, that's fair, I guess. But the other thing is just in the NBA, in the draft, mm-hmm. Nine times out of 10, if you are building a franchise, you don't say, oh, I need this type of player. You say, who's the best available? Mm -hmm. And the best available was Luka Doncic. And the Hawks drafted him and said, nope, we want Trey Young. Mm -hmm. I will never understand that, especially if the Hawks never win a championship, which I don't know. Like um, The majority owner of the Hawks said he wanted to spend big or spend more to, to win championship. Mm-hmm. So that means bringing John Collins back, maybe getting a veteran in free agency and, and getting Hunter and Reddish healthy. So the starting five can be, uh, abs- can be without Kevin Herter because he, he should not be a starter. Uh, Trey Young, Cam Reddish, DeAndre Hunter, John Collins, and Clint Capella. Like that right there is, that's a confident, that's a, a lineup I can be confident yeah. in watching for 82 games. Oh. Yeah, I guess the problem the problem though is it's the depth. They're not they're probably not gonna resign John Collins and I think that uh, for the money he wants, I think there's just so many good players in Atlanta that they're gonna have real problems deciding who to pay in the yeah. next couple of years. So they'll take another swing at things, I think minus John Collins, but this may very well have been their best chance. Um, yep. Well we'll see how much of a genius Travis Schlank is and how much the ownership is willing to spend. Yeah, but I'll tell you what, Travis Schlank is an awesome GM. Yes. I'm I'm happy with what he's built so far and how they performed. I'm happy with Reddish. I'm happy with Hunter. But it's I don't know, man. I I I I wanted to feel good about the Hawks in the Bucks series, and I did feel good after game one because I thought we matched up well against Milwaukee, but ultimately quality will always shine through. And if you have the quality of Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, and Giannis, then you're more likely going to win than than the Hawks. Yeah, I mean, no, absolutely. Uh, it's just a shame that Trey Young got hurt in that series because if he didn't, you know, there's a real chance they would have won. Yeah, and and the Hawks also did benefit from from Giannis getting hurt too because mm-hmm. the Bucks are a different proposition without Giannis. And it's one the Hawks, I guess, definitely either weren't ready for or didn't game plan enough. Yeah, absolutely, uh, absolutely. Um, they, uh, they, the Bucks, the Bucks 
played well actually in the last two games, but overall they're not nearly as good with them out. And I think that I really thought Atlanta was going to perform a lot better in the last two games, particularly after they did really well in, in game four. So you and me both, my dude. they have a real chance to, to make it to the NBA Finals here, as crazy as that sounds. So uh, missed opportunity, unluck, Trey Young turns his ankle, uh, you know, stepping on the ref's foot. Yeah, thanks, um, ref. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, you know, Bogdanovich hurts his knee in the previous series, so he was never 100%. You know, Cam Reddish, uh, just bad luck, Cam Reddish, out most of the season, comes back, that's his, you know, he played five, you know, second series, uh, I believe, because I don't think he played in – actually, might have been his first. I don't think he played in the Philadelphia series. And then DeAndre mm-hmm. Hunter's out for the whole postseason. So just tough luck for, for Atlanta. Yeah, but it was it was funny to watch uh, a bunch of Knicks fans outside Madison Square, Madison Square Garden after game two saying, we want Brooklyn, not realizing they just tied the series. Not went ahead in the series. They tied the series against Atlanta and then uh, Hawks in five. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, that's that on that. Willie, what other takes do you have for us? Any more hot takes? Oh, you had one, right? If you want to rotate. I had another one. Yeah. But what did you have? You want me me to go? Oh, you go last. Okay. Yeah. I'll I'll say one more. Um, so here's my other take. Um, you know, and, uh, I think that, um, and this is hard for me to say, um, but I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Um, I don't think that, um, I, I think that um, Roger Federer will retire at the end of the, of the season. I think he'll play one more mm-hmm. tournament and be done. And that's yeah. a lot, of, you know, not the hottest take in the world, but I, I really do think that, a lot of people think he's just going to play a couple more years, and I think I think he's done. I think he's pretty much done. He'll play the U.S. Open and and call it quits. I think. Yeah, I I agree. I I think seeing how poorly he played at Wimbledon, yeah, uh, and his in his last match was, yeah. uh, and, and hearing him talk about it too, the way he kind of sounded, the way he was like, I, you know, I want to play, but I it's it's not up to me. It's a question of my body yeah. and and being healthy. I think that's the biggest sign that a player knows that he's at the end of his career, or he or she's at the end of their career. Yeah. Um, it's it's, you know, your body has a funny way of telling you when it's time and. You know, for everyone, it's different, and and some people try to push through that. But at the end of the day, your body is going to tell you when it when your when your time's up for Absolutely. certain activities. So, yeah. Absolutely, it's very sad. But very sad. what what a privilege it was to watch Roger Roger What a privilege it was to watch Roger Federer for however many years we got to watch him. I mean, yeah, I mean, he. I was obviously big. Sorry, go ahead. No, I said he. I, I think his first year when he was, he was eighteen, I believe. So. Mm. Um, you can turn 40 so 22 years about yeah yeah i mean just the the ability to watch one of the all-time greats i think is just it's it's an incredible thing to just be in just have to have been able to watch that you know yes. at some point in our lives absolutely amazing just amazing. a real treat truly mm-hmm. that's right um yeah i know i don't i don't disagree with that take i think it's 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 pretty I would not be surprised if that is the case mm-hmm. whatsoever. Yeah. What's your take? Um, well, it's it's good. I I 
had you go next because that take, it wasn't really a hot take. It was kind of just like a, yeah, it makes sense. Here's a real hot take for you. Okay. Sergio Busquets is the most overrated player in soccer. That's our show, folks. Thanks for listening. <laughs> soccer, wow. Busquets is the most overrated player in football. Name me wow. one player, one player who can do everything he can. Oh, no, sorry. There's a long list of them. This is going to take all night. Here's, here's one already who's playing in a major tournament, Fabinho. Hmm. Better, at, better at Busquets' job than Busquets. Let's look at who does that for England. I'd say Jordan Henderson is better at that job than Busquets. Yeah. I mean, how, how, how much time do you want to spend doing this? Like, Declan Rice. I'd take Declan Rice over, over Busquets any day of the week. Well, and, and people have said, like, if you don't appreciate Busquets, if you don't see what he does for a team that you don't know football, it's like, no, I, I do. And I don't like to have someone who's looks like I can literally snap his arm in half. And I'm not a very strong, I'm not a very strong guy. Sure. Yeah. Like, so what I would say, in my opinion, is that um, now I do think. He he's gotten really exposed defensively at times throughout his career, um, particularly as he's gotten older. I mean, I just think the big, even though, I I I think to be honest with you, I think that he's also a product of a changing game. I think that in today's age, um, with the high pressing heavy metal football, and with these kind of midfield destroyers. Sergio Busquets doesn't really Busquets doesn't really fit into the deep lying role that Barcelona asked him to play. But back in in you know the late you know 2009, 10, and 11 when they won the Champions League, Barcelona and for a seven eight year period, you know that style of, of soccer was still really popular. And so I think in today's the way that soccer is played today or Ball, you know, you could easily say, well, yeah, I'd rather have a, a Fabinho, a really aggressive, big midfielder who, by the way, can also play the ball. But I think that back at the time when they were played and how good those Barcelona teams were, he fit a really specific role and he did a really good job with them. So I can definitely see the argument. I think it's it's definitely you can definitely make the argument. Um, it just depends on what kind of player you're looking for yeah no that's fair I, I think the one thing that trips me up with Busquets is a like you're saying with the the way the game is now versus the way it was uh you know when he was in the prime of his career but also the fact that he can get exposed so easily namely mm -hmm. and not even this tournament but by Liverpool two years ago at Anfield where the way that he was exposed was by being pressed yep. constantly with someone literally standing on top of him all game, namely Genie, I mean Genie Wijnaldum in the second half was everywhere, but on Busquets specifically, and then more recently, um, just with the fact that the teams that he played in when he was at his best, you think of who the midfielders were in front of him, both at the Spanish national team level and at Barcelona. Who were the two players in front of him? Xavi, uh, Xavi, and Iniesta. At both levels. Is it a question of they make him look better or he makes them look better? I think it's they look him they make him look so much better than he is. Probably. But um 
but you know, I mean, how how soccer works. Um, if Busquets was weak with the ball, for example, the press would target him. You know, he he definitely fit in with that team really well. And even then, you just mentioned. Even then, that's the crazy thing about watching Barcelona growing up was Busquets. He's flawed, but Busquets had to be the deep line guy a lot of times that would try to break up the play and sit back and circulate the ball and everything. So pretty crazy. You know, you're right, though. He he definitely was a product of the golden age Barcelona teams. And now he looks out of place. Yeah, very, very out of place, which is why, you know, it, how you rate a player is totally subjective in in some ways. I mean, obviously, you know, your Messi's and Ronaldo's and Lewandowski's and uh, prime Suarez and and your, uh, yeah. you know, your your elite players, everyone's going to establish, everyone's going to have an established set of, 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 um, yeah. of qualities that they have. Everyone's going to understand that they all have very similar qualities or qualities that are the best of the best. But with Busquets, it's very much a question of, are you a very much... Barcelona style, like old Barcelona style, or do you like the more modern game where it's faster, higher press, and you need someone who's less going to sit in front of the back four, but yeah. going to get a foot stuck in there, as as the English like to say. Uh, and like a Fabinho or a Jordan Henderson or a Declan Rice or, I mean, how, how many players do you want to name on this list? You know? What? What? So there's there's a lot of people who could. How many of those players were good enough with the ball, for example, to fit in those Barcelona teams? Not many on that list you mentioned. Not many would. I even Fabinho. I don't think Fabinho. He definitely doesn't have the skill in the ball that Busquets. So it's just a question of 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 what's your choice stylistically, and it has to be that Barcelona way for him to be successful. Yeah, but you could see you could see a player. You know any of the the traditional kind of holding midfielders these days, or not traditional, but the current modern day holding midfielder. You could see them being successful in any modern style, except mm-hmm. I mean, the Barcelona, the old Barcelona one aside, you could see them being successful pretty much anywhere. I mean, if you were to put, I don't know, let's put Fabinho at Manchester City. I don't think he's out of place there. I think he's perfect. Oh no, perfect for sure. fit. But it's just that old, that old style. Barcelona is so unique. They might be the only team right. in the world that really doesn't even ever play with that kind of um, player almost at times, you know, throughout their – I guess Wijnaldum now will, will be that guy, you know? But even this season – Wait, it's, what? Wijnaldum's going to PSG, though. That's true. Because <laughs> right. Barcelona's yeah, Barcelona's yikes, yikes. Contract didn't work out. They yeah. got to figure out their finances ASAP. Yeah, good point. Good point. But yeah, but no, I I get what you're saying though. And and yeah. was there any more anyone you wanted to add it onto that last point? Oh, um, that that I would pick over uh, over you know. No, just in general, like that's it's a very specific the Barcelona style. It's very specific. Oh yeah, I, I do just want to make a point, which is that I think that. One the, the way that the game has changed so much is uh, tempo, mm. and I just think that like it's amazing how much faster the game has gotten since then. Mm. Like football goes in cycles, but like it really was a different game just like ten years ago. It really was, and uh, and so sometimes you really watch games and and you're just like, man, this tempo is slow. They're gonna get killed against a team with the fast tempo, right? So it's interesting. Um, I can totally see your point about uh, about Busquets. Uh, yeah, 
Yeah. I mean, I've had that take about Busquets for a while, but seeing how he played at the Euros was a little bit like, like there are some players in the Spanish national team who are kind of in, in one mind and some players who are kind of with the other. He's with the old school and they, I don't think they played as well. I mean, he, yeah, he had COVID, I think it was, or he, he was injured. He had COVID. He had COVID he so, it, you know, he didn't, he wasn't able to perform at probably the level that he's expecting. But, you know, again, I think it's just a question of it's what do you value in a footballer? And yeah, for for me, for my money, he's he's not the player I'm picking to to play in that role. Yeah, absolutely makes Plus, sense. Plus, you you mentioned the diving and the theatrics, and he's just kind of oh, yeah. the most egregious case. Definitely. At least you know in our in our lives, he's been the most egregious case, or one of the most well known instances of uh, fabrication and you, you're deception. The fabrication or like uh, twenty. Uh, 10 or 14, what was the World Cup where they played in the Netherlands? And the Netherlands just kept fouling them every time. That had to be 2010. I love, love that. I love that. <laughs> it just wouldn't. Nigel DeYoung. Oh. I, did I tell you I got to meet Nigel DeYoung once? No, oh, that's crazy. It was really cool. Yeah, I was, uh, when I was working for the for Spectrum Sportsnet, I got to, um, I got to work a shoot at, uh, at uh, whatever the Galaxy Stadium is these days. Um, Okay. And they were doing a bunch of EPKs and, um, and Nigel DeYoung was there or a bunch of, uh, uh, I can't remember what the term they use for it is, but they were doing a bunch of stuff and Nigel DeYoung was there. And I was like, oh, damn, this dude played the World Cup final. Nice. That's crazy. So, wow. Yeah, it was, it was cool. I was like, damn, this is, this is a cool moment. Like all time cool. That and holding the door open for Vince Scully. That was, that was awesome. It's a big moment. That's a big moment. Yeah. Yep. As you could tell, the sports fanboy uh, never yep. gets old. He never grows up. Absolutely. But folks, we've had a packed show for you today. We are doing our best for season three. This is the first episode of season three to pack everything we can into episodes that are much, much shorter because it's more, it's more easily digestible and hopefully it cuts out a lot of the rambling, but let us know what you think. Tweet at us at HTO podcast, uh, or you can find clips occasionally posted on my YouTube channel. That's just Boba Poppy on YouTube. Go check that out if you haven't done so already. And remember, folks, you can get this podcast anywhere you listen to yours. Apple Podcasts, Spotify. I think Amazon has a podcast thing. Wherever you get your podcasts, you can find Hot Takes Only, as well as the website, wherever you're listening to it. Anchor.fm slash Hot Takes Only. That's all one word. Oh, that is a lot. And I didn't even write that out. It was just the, the promotional materials for, for hot takes only written yeah. up about 10 seconds ago. Thank you. Thank, you for that. Thank, <laughs> you. Thank you for that. Of course. Um, Willie, any final thoughts before we wrap it up? Uh, it's not coming home. <laughs> Ouch. Those be fighting words. Yep. Uh, well, folks for Willie, I'm Owen. This has been episode 40 of hot takes only. We'll see you next week.